you know, you and I both know there are a lot of great things going on in the Catholic Church, but we could find nothing in the church other than what was going on on those college campuses that met the, the criteria of spiritual multiplication over extended period of time. Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. I know I'm going to see some of you this week in Arizona at the Alpha USA Conference. There's an army of people coming from St. John the Evangelist Parish in St. John, Indiana. That is my home away from home. You'll want to meet these folks. That church is on fire. The Associate Priest event registration is now live on ronhuntley.com. If you're an Associate Priest, sign up and share. This is a free online event that speaks directly into the unique challenges and opportunities that face new Associates. Associate Priest Father Damien Ryan from the UK will be my special guest. There will be a cool announcement of that event as well. Don't miss it. There are two time zones to choose from uh, on February the 15th, so go there now and sign up. Now, get ready for my conversation with Mark Joseph from the University of Steubenville. This was an incredible conversation. Enjoy. Lift off and the clock has started. Welcome back, everybody. I'm blessed to have Mark Joseph with me today as our guest. Mark is the Vice President of Outreach and Evangelization at a little-known place called Steubenville University. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you for having me. Really glad to be here. Laughing ahead of time, just saying that sounds really important because it is. It's such a cool (laughs) job title like at, at such a cool place. Like the impact you guys are having, I know in Canada and the U.S. is spectacular. I was saying before we started recording that my kids have been heavily impacted by the ministry of Steubenville University. So I just shout out to to the entire staff and leadership and all that you guys do is just so, so awesome. So thank you for that. Yeah. My kids as well. And, and me as well. Uh, I mean, it was, I, I, uh, a part of my conversion, the back end of it, but a part of my conversion is a Steubenville youth comp. So uh, Come on. So, so yeah. where did it all get started? Like, did you grow up in the church? Have you always been passionate about Christ? Like, tell, tell us a little bit about your background. No, not at all. I, I mean, I've always gone to church. I've always gone to math. Right. But forever, I was praying to the God of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, the expression of difference between the men and the boys is the size of their toys. Uh, I was living that life. And I right. uh, had some relative success. Uh, did pretty well. Grew up. You know, I, I bought a company. When it was me and a part-time secretary, so a really small business grew to over 100 employees. And then, uh, and then tragedy struck personally and professionally and uh, drove me to my knees. And I had an encounter with the Lord to change my life forever. Wow. Wow. How did that come about? Uh, the backstory or the, the conversion story itself? Maybe the conversion story. I'll, I'd love to hear that backstory too. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But because yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I've got all kinds of friends that have had the same thing. Like it's just been a catastrophe that had them asking questions in places they've never sought to ask before. And, you know, some, some heavy hitters in business and 
And those are some special times in people's lives. Like, you know, that same friend I'm thinking of often says, don't, don't waste a good dread. Uh, don't waste a good crisis, you know, yeah. cause yeah. you know, good things can come from it. So yeah. What happened that yeah, um, Christ became, well, you know, it's, it's often asked, how does an all loving God allow, you know, suffering and tragedy and all those things. And mm-hmm. my experience is that most of the people I know, most of the guys I hang out with on this faith journey uh, have come to this place through crisis, through tragedy, mm-hmm. through suffering. Right. And uh, you know, a couple expressions, no pain, no gain, no cross, no crown. Uh, I heard recently that, uh, you know, for the Lord to fill us up, we need emptied out. Right. So, uh, for me, you know, I live in this place of gratitude today and just thank God for it every single day. But in terms of my conversion, I had what I refer to as three, two by fours that came across the back of my head. Uh, I lost, uh, I lost my family as I, I knew it. I don't know if you know, Ron, but my first wife died, uh, as an alcoholic. So the disease took her life oh, so and, sorry. you know, alcoholism addiction is truly a family disease. And, and we lived through a war for a number of years. Yeah. Uh, I, I grew a business uh, quite significantly and through some bad management decisions and, and leadership conflict, what went up came down. Mm. Uh, and then the third two by four was, uh, was making some stupid decisions and, and losing a nice sum of money. And if you spent as, as long in your life praying to the God of money as I did, Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be a two by four for you as well. Absolutely. So one March night in 2006, uh, I literally, you know, I'm this control freak. I lose control. I, I, I had no control anymore. And, and, you know, us, us having control period is a facade, mm-hmm. sure. which we can talk about later. But I, I realized I had no control. I felt the weight of the world on my shoulders. And I literally felt forced to my knees at the side of my bed. Uh, like I said, one March evening in 2006. And I kept crying out. I'm, 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 I'm ball of my eyes out. I'm 43 years old. Uh, my wife hates when I say this, but literally snot flying. <laughs> I'm crying my eyes out. Yeah. And, and I kept saying over and over and over again, I can't do this alone anymore. I can't do this alone anymore. I can't do this alone anymore. And I wasn't necessarily calling out to God. I mean, I went to church mass every single Sunday, uh, but I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And, uh, and I was just crying out. I mean, I was in a yeah. bad, bad place. And, uh, after a period of time, I laid my head down on the bed, still kneeling there. I was exhausted. I, uh, I, I, I don't know what, you know, period of time elapsed. Uh, I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I felt a calm come over the room. I felt a peace come over me. And I very clearly heard him say in my heart, you're not alone. I'm here for you. You're not alone. I'm here for you. You're not alone. I'm here. For you. And for the first time in my life, wow. I didn't feel alone. Uh, I mean, I grew up, I'm the, I'm the oldest of four boys born in five years. My brothers are my best friends. I've had friends around me my entire life, uh, built businesses and had, you know, employees around me. Uh, but, you know, it was always only me, right? Yeah. It was the first time in my life I didn't feel alone. The first time in my life I truly felt the presence of God. You know, went to Mass every single Sunday. First time in my life I truly felt the presence of God. And first time in my life I felt the love of God. Right. right? And I learned three important lessons that day in sins. The first lesson is, is what the world tells us is going to make us happy and fulfill us is never going to work. We, we can never fill that God-sized hole in the center of our chest with what I refer to as the four Ps, prominence, possessions, pleasure, and people, mm-hmm. right? I also learned that we're not meant to go through life alone. We need community, friendship, authentic relationship, and the first person we need to run to is Jesus Christ. Amen. And then the third lesson is that in understanding and internalizing the unconditional love of Christ, 
the unimaginable is achievable. We can live heaven here on earth, and there's a path to peace, joy, and fulfillment. I'm all in. <laughs> Amen. 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 Boom. Amen. <laughs> We're done. We're done. That's, that's so good. That is so good. Well, boy, I'll tell you, like, what a blessing it is when when we can come out of a tragedy because that's a new foundation. Like your your foundation was on built on sand, and and now it's built on rock, right? Like right. it's like, come right. on, that's not changing ever. Right. Ever. So good. So good. I appreciate that. I thank you for sharing because it. It, it's so everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. Everybody has and none a better story. than the other. I mean, we all have right. a unique story. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and they often it often contains suffering. And that's just such a part of life. And so I appreciate you sharing, brother. I really do. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today in the coaching that I do and speaking that I do, um, every now and again, I've been hearing lately what you introduced me to a while ago in a conversation we had about the whole concept of quads. And so I don't know for our listeners, like quads, what, what's that all about? And I want you to share with us, I'm going to school on you for the next however many minutes. And I really want to uh, understand what it is, where it came from and what your hope is for it. Yeah, well, you know, the backstory is that, that at Franciscan University, our conference office, you know, pre-COVID, we're, we're recovering these numbers now, but pre-COVID, yeah. We serve roughly 60,000 people, you know, 50,000 of whom were teenagers, each summer in the month of June and July. And our conference office discerned that, you know, you can't make a disciple in a three-day conference, right? It, it's an impossibility. So we decided we wanted to get serious about discipleship. We, we wanted to eat our own dog food. We wanted to learn it and do it and, and all of those things. And one of my very gifted employees. Her name is Christy Shearbaum. Uh, she was getting ready to exit the organization. Uh, that was five years ago. Uh, literally this past week, uh, she told me it was her five-year anniversary leaving. And we've maintained her as a consultant. And Christy led the charge on doing the research. She had actually developed our lead program for teenagers, which was leadership, evangelization, and discipleship which has just done a, a bang up job in, in helping these teens become disciples, right? So we wanted to create something for adults. And we literally researched 51 organizations hmm. inside and outside the Catholic Church. I mean, I, I can send you hundreds of pages of documentation, or I can send you the, the, the summary version, whichever <laughs> I'll go like. for the summary. Right, right. Um, our two criteria was spiritual multiplication over an extended period of time. And what we found is that what organizations like Focus, Fellowship of Catholic University Students, uh, CCO up in Canada, uh, St. Paul Outreach, they're doing really good things in relation to discipleship, but we would, we would refer to a college campus as a controlled environment, right? You have those kids, they're there, they're, they're living on campus, you, you know, it's not real life, right? I mean, it's mm -hmm. not it's not parish life. It's not real life. It's none of the, none of those things. So, uh, you know, you and I both know there are a lot of great things going on in the Catholic church, but we could find nothing in the church other than what was going on on those college campuses that met the, the criteria of spiritual multiplication over extended period of time. So we were, I forget, I think one of the research subjects was a, uh, a Protestant pastor named Greg Ogden. He wrote a book called uh, um, transforming discipleship. 
if you're interested in the subject, which I know you are, you won't be able to put that book down. And he created it, uh, I think, when we engaged with him 36 years ago. Now it's 40 years ago. And he did that uh, in, in writing his doctorate in, um, uh, in ministry. And he was contrasting it in the, in, the, in the quad concept is born out of what he refers to as the microgroup concept. And he had groups of three and four, right? We've, uh, we've standardized on quad uh, for two reasons. Number one, four grows the number faster than three does. But number two, if you have four people in a group and you lose one, you can still continue that group with three, right? right? But if you, lose, if you have three in the group and you lose one, you're, you're, you're busted. You can't, you can't go on. And that's what his research showed. There's, there's a great advantage over the quad model versus traditional Catholic one-on-one discipleship. And one of the challenges, one of the big challenges with one-on-one is the pupil never sees himself as becoming the teacher. Right, that's a huge chasm to cross, right? And it most often doesn't happen, yeah. right? Another uh, disadvantage to one-on-one, and I didn't really know this, but his research bore it out, is that accountability isn't very strong one-on-one. The, the, the rate of accountability or the degree to which you have accountability grows as the number grows, mm. right? And then he also compared it to uh, larger small groups, like groups of six, eight, and 10, Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I've been part of uh, men's groups for, you know, since my conversion in 2006 and until I got into quads, so probably, you know, 10 years, 12 years, 13 years, something like that. And I remember like for back in my old parish, we've moved now, Yeah. but I was with the same six guys at 6 a.m. on Tuesday mornings for six years, right. right? And we never grew because there was no intentionality to grow, right? Like we fed each other around the table. We never grew, right? Mm. And one of the challenges with larger group, uh, I mean, I think six, this isn't exactly the dynamic where it's the problem, but you get into eight, 10, 12, larger group, and I'm sure you've experienced this, two or three or four people end up dominating the conversation, right? So then there's not equal sharing. There's not vulnerability. There's not trust. Mm. And all of those things are critical to our Christian walk, right? So, uh, uh, Pastor Greg Ogden zeroed in on this, started this in, uh, 40 years ago, created a curriculum, has massaged it over probably the first 20 years, maybe 10 years, 20 years, and then for the last 20 years has been running on autopilot. Uh, his statistics are that he gets a multiplication rate of 60 to 70%. And uh, you know, he has a lot of nuances to it, a lot of things to it, uh, you know, tricks to the trade, so to speak. Uh, we brought him on as a consultant uh, mm. because we were married to the framework and and really loved what he had to say and wanted him to speak into it. And he was more than happy to to help the Catholic Church in this regard. The curriculum, uh, his curriculum was not Catholic, mm-hmm. so we uh, I think you know the the name uh, Dr. Bob Rice, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a professor of catechetics at Franciscan University, uh, just newly ordained, so now Deacon Dr. Bob Rice. Right. Uh, but Bob, uh, uh, and all of this was born out of the research. There are seven primary characteristics of being a disciple. And, and the content, which there's 45 weekly lessons, uh, Bob wrote with Christy being his key content c- contributor, and then she was the editor. 
Uh, and, and, and my role was just blocking and tackling and getting people out of the way. <laughs> Probably your favorite role too. We're getting dirty. And yeah. Just getting, yeah. Getting the, yeah so it. we came out with version one of the content we've now done. Uh, we, we launched in 2019. So the year before COVID, right. Right. Um, COVID year conferences got canceled. Our, our, our main vehicle for introducing these and promoting them is through our conference ministry. Conferences got canceled. Uh, 2021, we had about 50% uh, capacity that we're, we're working at. Yeah. So we took that opportunity to revisit the content. And the content itself, like the words on the page, the, the paragraphs, the, the str- none of that changed. But what did change was the look and feel. Okay. So, really? Okay. Uh, it is incredibly compelling, uh, engaging. Bob Rice, you know, Christy and I are friends with Bob and, yeah. and know Bob to be just brilliant uh, and, and incredibly talented. He's, an, he's, a, he's a national author, speaker, and musician, Yeah, he's in addition else. to being a professor of catechetics. But he, uh, I mean, his level of talent is just, it's, it's so, I mean, it's just an incredible, incredible piece of work, right? Yeah, it's totally and, unfair, really. It's totally unfair. Yeah. <laughs> But his personal stories, I mean, bring it to life. You, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about how story yeah. really speaks to us, right? I mean, Bob has stories through this. It's based on a catechism, based on scripture, uh, teachings of the church. Uh, so it's Catholic, Catholic, Catholic. Uh, there's a high degree of accountability as you go through this thing. And uh, lastly, and I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet, you can ask a couple uh, questions, is uh, a primary part to all of this is the fellowship piece. Hmm. And uh, I don't think we realized that when we first launched this, Hmm. but the fellowship piece, I think it's the secret sauce. I think it's what creates the spiritual multiplication and keeps people going. And and just tell you a very quick story. Yeah, please. Christy moved to, when she uh, left the office, she and her husband decided they wanted a warmer climate. So they moved to Atlanta. And she was pregnant with either their second or third child. She's getting ready to deliver their fifth uh, beginning of next month. They've been busy. Uh, they have four girls. This is going to be their first boy. Oh, he's going to be spoiled. Yeah. But, uh, but I, all of us were piloting or prototyping these groups. You know, we, yeah. we all, you know, we had eight or 10 of these groups going different people. And I said to Chrissy, you have to start a group. And she goes, I'm pregnant. I just moved to Atlanta and I don't know anybody. And I'm like, okay, but you have to start a group. Right. So, um, <laughs> so she, she went through a prayer process to determine who was going to be in that group. I can share a little bit about, about that later, but to get to my point, she would call me, I mean, she and I talked on a regular basis. She would call me after so many of these sessions and it's men with men and women with women. So she's yeah. with okay. three other women and probably every other call we had, she would share with me how these women would be crying, would be bawling their eyes out, crying with one of them. Right. And to me, the beauty of that is, is that if they didn't have that group, who were they sharing that with? Mm. And we know the answer, right. right? It's just being bottled up inside and they're living with that torment and they're not sharing with anybody. So this fellowship piece is critically important to, uh, to the discipleship quad model. All right. So here we go. So I'm not in a quad. You decide you're going to start a quad. This is a, fake scenario, but so you're going to ask me to be in a quad. I don't know anything about it. Pitch me. Like what's, what can I expect? What are you inviting me to? How often are we meeting? Help me understand. 
Well, a- a- actually, if we can back up just a second. Oh, okay, sure. Greg Ogden uh, gives us a very specific means to discern who's going to be in the quad, okay. which we have followed to the letter. So you're saying I'm not in. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm going to invite you in a second, but I got to pray <laughs> through it first, right? <laughs> but Greg Ogden, and we identify this in our, in our documents, uh, uh, you know, suggests that you, you need to pray through who you're going to invite into this quad. Awesome. And revisiting that Christie story for a second, she didn't know anybody at the parish. She had attended one mom's group. So I'm, I'm pushing her to start one. She's praying through it. And she doesn't know the name of these names of these women. She just knew their face. So she goes into the next mom's group. Ironically, total God thing. Everybody clears the room except those three women. Okay. She only knew one of their name. <laughs> she goes up to them and says, this is going to sound crazy, but I prayed about this and God put you three on my heart right? And invited them. And each one of them to a person said, I've been looking for something like this. I just didn't know where to go. Awesome. Awesome. Right? Okay. So, so, you know, if I approach you, first yes. thing I would say is, I pray. uh, Ron, I prayed through this and, and you're one of the three people that God put on my heart. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And I would share with you that, uh, our Lord, uh, you know, I always like to say that the, the, yeah. the, the two most impactful things Jesus said while I was here on earth and said very, you know, many, many impactful things, right? Great commandments, love God, your father, with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul, and your whole strength, and love your neighbor, yourself. And great commission, go make mm-hmm. disciples of all nations, right? Blessing in the name mm-hmm. of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I would, I would lead off with, um, uh, uh, you know, Ron, uh, God gave us the great commandments, the great commission as Catholic. We often forget what the Great Commission even is. We, we don't even acknowledge Matthew 28, 19 in the Bible, which is to say that disciples need to make disciples, mm-hmm. right? So Franciscan University of Steubenville, through a ton of research, uh, found a model that does just that, that is a joy to be a part of, right? We get together, there'll be four of us. We get together once a week. Mm-hmm. We'll be together for 90 minutes. We can get together wherever we decide at a coffee shop, at a restaurant, at the parish, at your house, at my house, whatever the case. Uh, we'll be together for 90 minutes. Those first 30 minutes, we'll be sharing life. And, and, and we have prompting questions to walk us through that, like our prayer life, our business life, our family life, uh, activities, all of those things. Uh, and then the last or the next 50 minutes is working through the, the content, which you will have prepared for, like the rest of us, that prep time takes 30 to 45 minutes a week. I typically do it Sunday morning. I make part of my prayer time. Uh, and we're just, you know, during that time when we're learning, we're, 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 we're speaking of the life there too, because all of it's our personal relevant experience. Absolutely. Right. And the last 10 minutes is the weekly challenge, which is related to the material. And then our, our closing prayer. Uh, we start out by sharing our, our life stories, our testimonies, our lifelines, if you will. Uh, there'll be two the first session and two the second session. Mm-hmm. And then there's 43 successive sessions where we have all of these lessons that speak to the characteristics or the behaviors of a disciple. Mm-hmm. We say that, that the content can take up to a year uh, because, you know, life happens. We have vacations, summers, 
mm-hmm. holidays, all of those, all of those things. Uh, so it's a great experience, and I'd invite you into it. I've done it three times now, and uh, I look forward to kicking this next one off. So we finish up. That's really cool. I was going to ask you about that. So we finish, and it's like, man, that was good. So a year from now, and we're all done. Is the is the challenge run? Go find three guys, or what happens? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a uh, commitment. Greg Ogden referred to it as a covenant. We we turn change the terminology because covenant means something in the Catholic Church. The commitments. Yeah. And the the commitment is, and I always forget number four. That's okay. um, is uh, uh, coming prepared, uh, being willing to uh, participate, uh, being honest and, and trustworthy. I forget number four. Yep. And then number five is. Uh, promising to consider, and you're, you're, you're committing to this on the front end of joining yes. the discipleship quad, committing to consider, not that you're definitely going to do it, right. but you will consider starting a discipleship quad at the end of your year with these four guys. Hmm. And Greg Ogden's experience is, is that 60 to 70% of those folks start a new quad. And as you work through the curriculum, you become more and more convicted that, that this is the way disciples are made, right? And in fact, we tell people, um, you know, we would say to people, if you go through the whole curriculum and you decide you don't want to be in a quad, at least be convicted that you have to go make disciples. So, you know, go figure that out. Um, we think that we have the answer, not because we invented it. Right. We had a ton of research. We didn't reinvent the wheel, right? Um, but the, the, again, the fellowship piece is just absolutely special to have all of them. That is so cool. That is so cool. And so how, what difference do you think this would make in a parish? Like, like, yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, first off, Greg Ogden would tell us, he cautions us, right. Do not make this a program. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, you know how so many parishes fall victim to the program, which is going to be the quick fix. Sure. Right. And, and, you know, and it doesn't work, right? Mm. So he suggests starting slowly and growing organic, mm. right? Which doesn't mean that you can't do some type of, of launch. As part of yeah. our ministry at Franciscan University, uh, we just started Steubenville. We just launched Steubenville Parish Mission, mm-hmm. where we're taking Steubenville out into the parish. Mm. And one of the things that, that the parish need, has to commit to for us to be willing to do a parish mission is the discipleship quad model. Mm. So you can launch in a, in a big way, but his, his caution is don't get caught up in the number. Right. Right. But that said, you know, if you, if we go do a parish mission and I just did one down in Atlanta uh, and, and, and if I had, you know, we had a hundred people in the, in the church night three, um, if you had 10 people, right. Each start a quad uh, that's 40 people in quad. Right. If 50% of those started a quad the next year, that'd be 20 times four is, is 80. Right. Right. And if, if yeah. 50% of those started, 40 times four is 160. I mean, imagine a parish over a three or four year period having 150 to 200 to 300 yeah. on fire Catholic. Yeah. Right. As a part of parish. Life. Love that. Love that. And so, so how, so that's great for Catholics. What about non-Catholics? Because we're called to reach everybody, aren't we? So how does it tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, well, if, um, 
Uh, I mean, two points to make on that. We always get this question, you know, do, do you have to be Catholic? Uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I've been in a couple of small group scenarios where you have the neighboring Protestant join the group and he or she thinks that their mission in life to disqualify the Catholic faith, right? So we make the point that the content is Catholic, which we're not right. apologetic for, right? No. The, the content is Catholic. So if, if any one of the four in the group or all four in the group need to be engaged in wanting to learn the Catholic faith and what Catholic discipleship means, yes. right? Then all are welcome. Right. Um, I mean, you certainly don't have to be, you know, baptized and confirmed uh, to be in a group. Right. Um, uh, but you can't be a Catholic basher and be in a group. No, right? no, absolutely not. No, um, I totally I, I'm someone who strongly believes yeah. that if we as Christians, yes. right, Catholic and not non-Catholic Christians alike came together in a meaningful way, what is it we could we accomplish for the kingdom? Right. So I'm, I'm, in fact, I probably the most, some of the most prayerful men I know are not Catholic. Right. I mean, I was, I was part of a small, uh, a small group of men's group years ago during the time of my conversion when I was the only Catholic at the table. Right. And these men were incredible. Right. Right. Thank God. So, for um, them, eh? Yeah. And then the second thing would be that we could point them to Greg Ogden's material. Yes. I, mean, I, I wouldn't hesitate at all to say, go, yeah. go get Greg Ogden's material and use yeah. that. And so it sounds like the primary purpose, and, and I think that it's important, whatever tools that we're using to understand the primary purpose and their secondary purpose. And so it sounds like the primary purpose of this is to get the people in the pews really to engage at a deeper level, to grow in friendship, to really understand what it means to dive into being a disciple, and then invite other Catholics who are not quite there yet into these groups with them. So not necessarily primarily as a tool for evangelization, but primarily a tool that once somebody's evangelized, once somebody's made that choice to follow Christ, to then maybe come into this squad. Is that fair? Yeah, you know, you, you're hitting a point that we debated a lot on the front end, which was uh, because we, we put language in there. Like we, we, we initially had language in there like, uh, you have to know the love of Christ. Um, or you have to have had to experience conversion or, you know, and we right. took that language out because where we landed was as long as they have a desire. Right. Right. So we, we would, we would take or acknowledge a seeker yes. as having a desire and wanting to be involved. I think the reality yeah. is, is that most people who are going to be interested in this are going to, or will have gone through a process of being evangelized. Gotcha. Cool. That's good to know because, you know, again, I think it's important because sometimes what people do, and I see it all the time, is they'll take something and they'll try to make it meet their needs versus understanding the why behind something's original incarnation. And so that's so cool. I appreciate the clarity on that. That's totally awesome. You know, and just if I, think, if I, if, if I could, um, you know, the, the, the idea behind this isn't just making new groups. Right. Uh, it's truly becoming a disciple. And the seven behaviors born out of that research, number one is uh, uh, your identity in Christ. So understanding and internalizing the unconditional love of Jesus Christ, knowing that we, we are beloved children of God, right. right? So in relationship with Jesus. Number two is having a prayer life, including reading scripture. Mm. Number three is a vibrant sacramental life. Number four is fellowship, right? And we give all kinds of examples for that fellowship. 
Number five is knowing and abiding by the teachings of the church. Mm-hmm. Number six is serving those in need. And number seven is sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right? So those are covered in those 45 lessons extensively. And actually, the first eight lessons, to be honest with you, are on the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. I mean, just looking yeah. at it from different angles. But, you know, we believe strongly uh, through this research and, and actually as a university in our conference mission and everything, that, that understanding the love of Christ is foundational to all of us, right? So, uh, so that's a, it's, a, it's a significant point of concentration on the front end of, yeah. of that curriculum. Well, it changes everything, doesn't it? It, uh, yeah. just, it changes everything. When we can look in the mirror and, and just recognize that God thought we were worth it. Right. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> that, change, that changes everything. <laughs> exactly. And that's a plan for our life. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, my, my uncle is a priest. And I remember one time I said something about a plan for life and he got frustrated with me and he said, I don't believe that. He said, I think God has a call in our life. I said, well, what's the difference? He said, a call is just this stirring, this yearning, and he wants to work it out with us. A plan is if it's written down on a blueprint, and if you don't follow it, you're wrong. And I thought, oh, that's a neat differentiation, um, that whole concept of he puts a call, and, he, and you get to choose how to live it out, and he wants to, he wants to do it with you. But I just thought that was kind of a neat way to. to I think I'd agree that. with the two of you. I, th- I, think that, um, uh, I think that my take on that would be that our universal purpose in life yes. is the great commandments and the great commission. Mm-hmm. And then given our God given talents, how, how God uniquely designed each of us determines how we fulfill that purpose. So right. true. Bob must've had a ball preparing this stuff. Eh? Cause that's so in his wheelhouse. Like he must've oh, yeah. just been giggly as he got to think through all this stuff and plan it out and then execute because he's just so good at that. Yeah. That's it's really wonderful. good stuff. We have all of this, by the way, we haven't mentioned yet is a hundred percent free of charge. Cool. It is uh, on our website. If you go to steubenvilleconferences.com, okay. uh, there's the drop down menu thing. Those horizontal bars yeah. on the left-hand side of the homepage, you hit those bars and it drops down and you just hit discipleship quads. And there is so much information on there. You, you'll be, you'll be dizzy looking at it. <laughs> Uh, we also have a, a, uh, frequently asked questions, but in addition to all of that, we have an email address, uh, for someone, if you have questions, you need any information at all, you just send an email off. It's actually Christy who will receive that email. Right. And, uh, and we're happy to help, uh, as much as we can, uh, funny story, believe it or not, uh, we do get complaints of people having to print out paper. It's 100% free, but people complain once in a while, periodically, that they have to print a paper. Now, you can also download it onto your device without printing paper. Right. Uh, if you're more sophisticated tech, tech, technology-wise, which yes. isn't me, but I'm a paper <laughs> guy. Yeah. Uh, but what we did, given some of those complaints, is we are now published on Amazon. Oh, neat. So people and can there buy four, the book if they want. Yeah, there are four guidebooks uh, that consume the year, the 45 weeks. Each one of those guidebooks is $5, and we make all of 20 cents on each. Right. right? So it's not really a for-profit model. Sure. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, it's 100% free. It's just great, great stuff. Man, that's cool. You're making it easy for people, Mark. You're making it easy for people. And 
I just love it. What's your hope for these quads? As, as, as you, and maybe not just the quads. I mean, you're the VP of outreach and evangelization. This is probably a part of what you're excited about, but how does that fit into to, to what your hope is for your role at the university and what you hope to, how you hope to impact parishes? Uh, you know, you and I spoke a little bit earlier about uh, the fact that we launched a, a parish renewal model which we're piloting now in the Diocese of Steubenville and in discussions with other uh, uh, dioceses and, and parishes. Uh, we have the Steubenville Parish Mission, which I mentioned mm -hmm. several minutes ago. Uh, we have our conferences uh, where we have 60,000 participants. And, and not only all those teenagers, you know, 50,000 to 60,000 are teenagers, but, but we have the contact information for all of their parents, right? Right. And, and those parents see these kids, you just, you know, you, you had said earlier, the impact it had on your children, these parents see their kids coming home on fire for the Lord, you know, it does some stirring in their hearts too, mm -hmm. right? So we have this broad network of, of, of people with the catechetical institute, which forms those who forms other, others in the faith, uh, and, and, and so on and so on. And I really look at discipleship quad is being foundational to every single thing we're doing. I think it's the linchpin to everything that, that we have going on at the, uh, as part of outreach and evangelization. I really, I think it's that foundational, that fundamental. Uh, I mean, if we can make it, 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 you know, Matthew 28, 19, right? I mean, Jesus said, go make disciples. It wasn't a mere suggestion, right? And if we can deliver on that command, uh, uh, I, I just think it, we changed the world. You know, when I joined the university, I was this business guy who was metrics driven and I was wooed by the numbers. You know, my, my short story to joining the university is, is, is uh, I was a business guy that was a mission fit and they wanted to grow the conference. Right. And over my tenure in running the conferences, we, we've grown quite significantly. Then Father Dave Pavonka became our president. And he had a vision. We felt we had a calling to take what we've been so blessed with for the last 40 years out into parishes within the diocese. So he created the Office of Outreach and Evangelization and, and appointed me vice president. And with all of that, um, uh, I guess the water. Yeah, go ahead. With, uh, with everything we're doing, um, the, the, the discipleship quad are, like I said, the, the linchpin, the foundational element uh, uh, to it. So, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, well, I just encourage you, if you're listening, give it a try, like head over to the website, as Mark was mentioning, and, and pray about follow the process and, and find three people to connect with and give it a go. Because, you know, sometimes it's, it's, the proof is in the pudding. It's, you know, get, yeah, try it. And then see people, you know, a couple, you. couple objections we get, right. Is I'm busy. We're, who, we're all busy. busy? <laughs> yes. Right. We're all busy. Right. Like, so, um, you know, if we're, if we, you know, the, the, the old expression, uh, you can tell what people's priorities are by how they spend their time and how they spend their money. Yeah. Right. And if your faith is important to you, then, you know, mm -hmm. maybe consider taking a look at this and spending a little bit of your, spending a little of your time. The other thing we hear often is, is I'm in a Bible study, yeah. right? And we'd advocate Bible studies. We'd advocate other things within a yeah. parish. Uh, we'd encourage all of those things. Mm -hmm. uh, but the thing to understand, again, 
consistent with with Matthew 28, 19, go make disciples of all nations, is none of those things deliver on that command. And Jesus was very specific, right? So we would endorse doing a Bible study, but we're really called to make disciples. Right. So if you're not making disciples some other way, consider this. And then the last thing I would say is this whole notion of spiritual multiplication and doing this forever. uh, Like I wouldn't even let that enter your, your analysis on the front end to your point, try it, just try it and see if you like it. That's right. And my bet is, is you're going to like it and you're not going to want to give up the fellowship and, and you're going to want to continue. That's been our experience. That's been my experience to date. I joke around that, that my three best friends right now are the guys in my current quad. My three best friends last year were the guys in that quad. <laughs> and my That's three true. best friends the year before were the guys in that quad. <laughs> well, the things you end up talking about and the life you end up sharing, you just don't make the time to do that with anybody. And right. so that's, you know, it's, it's funny in one sense, but it's so, I can see that being true. You know, so yeah, because when when else would you take the time to talk about serious issues that get you reflecting and looking in on your life and inviting God into that? And then somebody actually wanted to hear about it, having a platform to share it over and over again. Yeah, I can see how that would grow friendships like crazy. And that changes the face of your parish. And so my friends... Go over to that website, look, download this stuff. We have a new year coming up. <laughs> oh, that's the one we're recording it. I don't know when it'll come out. I'll let you know. But honestly, this is, uh, I love what you're doing. I appreciate you guys. Keep up the great work. And uh, we'll have you back on the podcast again when we'll talk about something else that's really exciting going on at the school. All right. Great. God bless. Thank you very much. God bless you too. Getting groups right is important. Microgroups, small groups, mid-sized groups, so many choices. So how do you know where to start? Can I give you a tip? Pull back and try to look at where you want to be in three years and decide as a team the tools you'll want to use to try to get there. Tools like Quads, Alpha, Connect Groups have their biggest impact in the hands of a bigger plan and a bigger purpose. If you need help as a priest to get from where you are today to where you believe God is calling you to go, then reach out. It's exactly why we exist, to help you with deep dive coaching. Consider subscribing and rating the podcast five stars right now if you would. That would be a big help to me. And thank you for tuning in. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.